Hi all, 15th of April is today's date. Uh, welcome back to another edition of the No Name Podcast. My name's Ross Katzenbarnas. Uh, pleasure to be with you again here today. I got a bit of reviews yesterday from the James Bond uh, movie reviews of my top 10 Bond movies of all time. So I'll get stuck into that in a minute. Um, but I just wanted to say that today is the 31st anniversary of the Hillsborough disaster um, where 96 people sadly lost their life uh, attending the FA Cup semi-final between Liverpool and I think Nottingham Forest, uh, 96 Liverpool fans, uh, where they were crushed to death. Uh, basically, the short story, of a very long story that could go on for hours and hours and hours. Uh, there's many documentaries, a really good 30 for 30 documentary made about it as well. It's on YouTube as well. Uh, what you find happened was that uh, there, was a, there was a massive standing room entrance or area where all the Liverpool fans were and there was a basically a police sergeant who was in charge of ground security wasn't really that, uh, how would I say, that well equipped with uh, with handling situations like Hillsborough. There were um, like the FA Cup semi-final, a lot of people, a lot of travelling people and uh, basically there were so many people waiting and there were so many people in there they opened up a, an extra door just before the game got in got started because there were so many people outside still and uh, they opened up the door and instead of opening up the doors on the side um, the side areas where there weren't that many people standing at the time they opened up the doors in the middle where there were people already um, basically being squashed so literally these poor people were walking in there um, and as they were walking in there they were literally squashing other people to their deaths terrible terrible situation um the how, how would i describe it uh yeah just absolutely terrible the whole situation was absolutely shocking uh there was just no no sort of i guess no sort of ohs uh taking into consideration or ground safety or ground maintenance or anything like that uh there were literally they called the game off about three minutes from the game players literally were using and you'll see this this footage of it uh players were using skirting boards and um advertising boards are ripping them off fans were ripping them off basically trying using them as a stretchers for people who, who died um and you see some pretty distressing footage of people who are actually sort of towards the back um and where there's a second sort of level um where there was seating there were literally people just trying to climb onto other people to try and uh, get onto that second level and to safety effectively and, and to their um away from death which is terrible uh, basically that was a shocking incident that happened uh probably the aftermath was probably the worst thing that happened where basically the police and certain parts of the media, aka the scum, um, the scum is known as the Sun newspaper a lot, but it's the scum. Um, they wrote some horrific articles basically saying that these people were football organs, they were piss heads, um, they knew what they were doing, they forced the, the gates open, uh, the police didn't do anything wrong, all this sort of stuff. All that's been found to be completely and utterly false in, in future years. No one's actually ever apologised. The police have never apologised. It literally took the best part of 25 years for the government to actually open up an inquest uh, and, and apologise, uh, which is one of the most tragic things of all time uh, that's, that's probably ever occurred. And, and literally some of the things that were written uh, about people was sort of saying how, how um, I, I guess, just, yeah, just, just how piss poor the situation was handled. I think it's a classic example where people thought that they had um you know that there was a reason for something i think you know if you try and scapegoat people or try and marginalize and categorize people immediately for something um 
it, it's just bound to bound to backfire on you, and it's usually found to be uh, false. So basically, the first thing people did when they were um, when a lot of these people when they were dead, the first thing they did in the autopsy is take blood alcohol content, and we're talking like 10, 12 year old, 13, 14, 15 year old kids, no taking blood alcohol content of these people because they thought that they were a bunch of football hooligans who were who were drunk um, and, and caused it. And that's sort of the narrative that was sort of out there for a little while about it, uh, sadly. Um, and to be honest, it uh, Liverpool Football Club has never really been the same since. Uh, English football's cleaned up basically after that. They got rid of standing room areas. They made all uh, grounds in the first tier, then the second tier, I think probably even and now the third tier as well, are all all seated stadium. So there's no standing room at those those uh, those venues at all, um, basically for crowd safety. And, and a whole new sort of wave came into English football and sort of eradicated that hooliganism aspect of it. But yeah, the, the treatment of the, the Hillsborough survivors um, and, and the fallen as well, the, the dead, was just absolutely terrible for a long period of time. You look at... um. I, I guess yeah, Liverpool's probably not the um, Liverpool's probably not the the sort of the most beautiful demographic in the world in terms of you know I'm not talking I've been to Liverpool it's actually quite an look I actually find it quite a nice city with with a good little bit of character but Liverpool is a you know a place that's pretty far removed from say somewhere like Turak or South Yarra or um, or you know the inner city of London uh, the inner west or um, you know the inner north of London it's it's a fair fair um fair sort of way from there and i think you'll find that that basically what um you know a lot of people thought is that these people were basically just scummy drunk people you know low socioeconomic background um and it was probably you know a good thing that they died piss poor uh it's it's actually um oh and and i think you'll you'll find that uh, over time, there's been some terrible, terrible. Uh, yeah, you, you find that there's been some, yeah, just some terrible things said about the whole situation. But best thing that came out of it was, uh, it was basically afterwards that English football really cleaned its act up. Um, and you actually find that, yeah, it's, the saddest thing is literally like if you look at the people that died. I'm just having a look at the '96, um, '90. Ninety-six uh, people that died. Um, yeah, basically, thirty-eight of them were aged between ten and nineteen, so kids or teenagers, basically. Uh, and I think you know, if you look at some stories, there were some pretty shitty coroner's reports early on. There was some. There was a Taylor report that, that Taylor and Chris that was an absolute piss take. I uh, didn't really look at what happened with Hills, but that was more to do with English football. And yeah, sadly that was uh that was uh that was Hillsborough and, and sadly the uh the Liverpool Football Club never really uh never really I guess uh recovered from that. Um oh yeah, here's some of the things I'm reading literally the sun literally this is the stuff they put out four days afterwards. So can you believe this? Like I'm talking about imagine something like September eleven or probably not at the scale of September eleven, but literally four days after September eleven literally stuff written on the front page of one of the biggest selling tabloids, piece of shit newspaper, uh, rag saying, some fans picked pockets of other victims, which has been found not to be true. Um, some fans urinated on the brave cops, also found to be not true. Uh, some fans beat up 
um, police, um, you know, police respondents um, resuscitating others. Totally, totally, totally wrong. Um, I think one of those situations where everyone just totally misreads the the tea leaks and um, yeah. Well, imagine imagine after an island, literally four or five days later, you know, the New York Times writing, uh, oh, we found people that were, you know, we found this guy and he took a thousand bucks off, you know, some dead guy lying in the World Trade Center and um, he's alive and, you know, now his wife wants his money back. It's, it's bloody terrible. Uh, most of these people literally were, um, <laughs> I think you find that most of them, yeah, they vomited, you know, they urinated on themselves um, because they were being asphyxiated and they were just in so much pain. And that's that's what happened. Um, but yeah, basically no one in Liverpool <laughs> reads the sun anymore. Uh, even Everton fans, Everton fans have always just been fantastic about how they've always handled their, their Hillsborough situation. They've always been a classy, a classy mob when it comes to that sort of stuff. They've never um, said anything bad bad about that. They've always... Um, Always supported the, all the foundations to do with Hillsborough as well, which is fantastic. But yeah, it's just like there's some awful stories like this. There's stories of um, you hear stories of there was a bloke that sold his ticket to a mate, and his mate died, and literally like 20 years later, he killed himself because he couldn't he could not handle the grief anymore. He was just he was just overcome with with guilt uh, for the whole situation. And and yeah, I think it's um, one of those moving things. So. We're talking now nearly 31 years on. Um, hopefully, there'll be justice. Um, Liverpool literally have a little emblem at the top of their, top of their back of their tops, going um, two flames, going 96. So, with uh, justice for the 96, uh, ju yeah, justice hopefully will will be served. I hope one day uh, for these people. It's it's terrible, but yeah, it's it's just not a. Uh, yeah, it's, it's just a, a shocking situation. So, yeah, justice for the 96 and, um, yeah, rest in peace to all those who, who passed away. Now, on a uh, lighter note, I'm just about to get my mate on, Ron McNamee. He is a mate of mine from school, talks a little, talks a little bit of stuff. He's a funny guy. We'll have a chat to him uh, and see what he says about James Bond. He, I think he's got a few issues with some of my selections in my top 10. We'll see what he has to say. You guys, seen, you guys have seen uh, my James Bond top 10 list? I have. I don't think. Okay. Yeah. So basically, my my one... Okay. So I've got Goldfinger, Dr. No, Gold Knight, Casino Royale, License to Kill, From Russia with Love, Thunderball, Octopussy, Skyfall, and The Spy That Loved Me. And then my worst three are Die Another Day, Condor of Solace, and The World Is Not Enough. And there's probably another couple that I could probably add in there. Solace, the issue that I have with Quantum of Solace out of all the Bond films, it's literally because it acts... Wait, wait, wait. Ross, are you recording? Yeah. Oh, you're yeah, right. Yeah, we'll start again. Yeah, we'll start again. So, yeah, guys, Quantum of Solace, you guys reckon it's one of the most underrated James Bond films? Why? Well, I, I, uh, I, I will say it out there because I, 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 I,
I think some of the scenes in it are the best that they've ever had. The scene when he's in the opera is one of the best James Bond scenes ever. And you just, in terms of Bond being the most badass by that point, is the epitome of it. And, you know, he goes there and there are, of all Bond movies, sometimes they're just made up by best bits. The mm. storyline doesn't need to make sense. And as the storyline goes, okay, it fizzles out a little bit. But it was written in the middle of a writer's strike. Daniel Craig wrote it with the director himself. And mm. it could have been better, and you can tell the budget sucked a little bit because at the end, a wall explodes and somehow he escaped them. Well, it's I read an interview, Liam, where it was even worse than that, where apparently Daniel Craig and the director were actually not just writing it, they were almost making it up as they went. Yeah. Yeah. I think you can probably tell the second... Was that the second half? Is that the second half of the movie? But in terms of a baddie, though, so James Bond himself is one of the baddest individuals you got, I think, of the series. When he's going through that opera, um, and that's pretty unreal. Mm. Um, That is a sick The start sequence is also very good from memory. Yeah. Bond in the Bond in Como See, I, I always thought the environmental, I always had, I always thought the like the environmental terrorist aspect just didn't, it, it didn't sort of really appeal to me because I actually quite like the older Bond where it's sort of like villain is, you know, there, there's good guy and bad guy and you can sort of kind of tell. Whereas, I guess with the, uh, I think it's sort of the environmental terror. I forget, he, I forget his name now. Um, the villain in Point of the Consolas. I've actually got it in front of me. Uh, oh yeah. Camille, Mo- uh, no, that's the chick. No, that's, uh, oh, Dominic, Dominic Green. Dominic, Dominic Green is the guy's name. And he comes across as this really suave, you know, I'm going to be green and save the world kind of guy. And then he goes on this sort of environmental terrorist rage, which doesn't really fit the, the narrative of, of those uh, sort of, I guess, solar, solar power entrepreneurs in, in real life, but it's a movie. And... I don't know. Just... Is he not? Is he not? I mean, are there not qualities of uh, Mr. Tesla himself <laughs> in this? You know, you've got a rich billionaire individual who can take over the world and is going to control all of our power and our resources. Mm. You know, it's a bit Elon Musk. Yeah. Well, is, actually, this is actually like... he's probably a good he's probably a good reference point, isn't he? Like, Elon Musk isn't a bad guy, whereas. Well. Well. De- depending uh, on, like, uh, I, I just you can't... Know, you know, he's, you, you say that. He, so he might be. He, he, said he, he said he'd like to... Doesn't he say he'd like to put an atomic bomb on the moon? Or, or, or was it one of the other planets? No. You know, he is pretty close to a Bond villain. Mm. He's pretty close to owning his own space. Yeah. I think... Foundation's pretty cool. I yeah. mean, he is, he's got a bit of Moonraker in him. He's got a bit of Quantum of Solace. Uh, mm. He loves gadgets. He 
makes his own weapons. Mm. He has a, he makes flamethrowers. So mm. if I look at the quantum of solace, and I think the baddie is a bit Elon Musk, Musk like. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah. Tell us, tell us why it's bad. I just yeah to to me the other the other reason why I don't like it is because it, it genuinely acts as a sequel to Casino Royale, which I don't think I, I don't like the ver- the idea of Bond having all his baggage from the previous film still carrying around, and I think that's the introduction. And I think that's that's completely agree. And and that's and that's the first that's the first film that I think really brings all that baggage from the previous film and it sort of weighs it down like because the way i say james bond is james bond's this this guy that when he comes up against adversity he faces it he deals with it and he beats it and then he goes on to the next step whereas he sort of carries this around i think with with a character you want to you want to look i guess you probably want to look at someone like worse than that ross yeah it, it wasn't just a sequel it was also almost like a placeholder in between it was like it was like the middle act. Um, if I recall correctly, it didn't it didn't actually it didn't wrap up what happened in No, no, you don't actually see the no. Yeah. But and that's how I felt at the time, um, because we were sort of used the Pierce Brosnan ones were all completely standalone. And at the time I was like thirteen or twelve and the Pierce Brosnan ones were sort of all I knew and I sort of thought that's how James Bond meant to be mm. but looking back the early bonds you know blowfeld and spectre they they carried on in between them it's not it, yeah. it wasn't the first one to do that and there are some recurring characters too mm. yeah throughout the bonds but there isn't like there the isn't the emotional there isn't different. that emotional baggage that's what i didn't like is that it just they carried so much emotional baggage of quantum of solace and you so never really over, and I don't think he ever really overcomes that, like as a character. And I also reckon it's Quantum of Solace is the introduction. This is why I also don't like. It. I reckon it's the first movie, maybe because Daniel Craig was too busy writing and trying to sort of make things up as he went along. But I reckon it's the first Bond movie where he genuinely starts showing no emotion, and it sort of carries on through a few. Like Skyfall was okay. Um, I thought you know from an acting point of view, but um. What was the uh the um Spectre? Yeah, Spectre. He, he's just a very wooden, wooden the way he acts, and I think even the new um uh, the new one. It's very still, harsh. The new one, especially coming out later this year, I reckon he, he's just a bit too wooden for my liking. So I reckon that comes in during Quantum of uh, Quantum of Solace a fair bit. So you like the sort of lighter bond who's got a bit more humour, a bit more. Yeah, I want to see someone. Yeah, yeah. I want to see someone with a bit You're more. Not into the dark bond. No, I'm not really into the dark, emotionally ravaged Bond. I'm into the... I actually really right. like the Bond... You want, you want your James Bonds to be perfect, you know? The... No, yeah, I want them to be perfect, but I like them to be... I like them to sort of be like Timothy... I reckon Timothy Dalton is underrated as Bond. I reckon he plays it really well. He has that little bit of... Oh, there's a little bit of baggage there. There are some issues. There are some doubts, but they're sort of... At, at the background rather than at the forefront of your mind when you're watching it, um, when you're watching those films. And even his films, like they're, they're 30 years old now, but they still hold up relatively well. Uh, and the one particularly by 
swimming bond. Yes. Um, yeah. But weirdly, everything you say, because I think with Bond, they're all intertwined. It's like you say that they, Daniel Craig and the directors drew inspiration from the Tim, from the Timothy Dalton one. Mm. There you go. Because they wanted a realistic Bond. Yeah. And they thought it, it was a realistic Bond. And it's funny because you say that, like, we say, I think it was difficult with the Daniel Craig one. It seems a bit like a caricature of a Bond at times, but they all are. But mm, it's gone too far because we, the one thing that we, it is, you know, Bond he is with his relationships with the Daniel Craig series, he's carrying on the same relationship from Casino Royale, which yeah. is apparently urging him to do all these things. Mm. Whereas in the past, it was more for Queen and Country. Now, I think I prefer the full Queen and Country first, right, and then himself second. But it, yeah, well, Liam. and even like when he does Skyfall, it's very much you know, is he doing it for M or is he doing it for Queen and Country? It's mm. hard to know. So it's this sort of moody, annoying Daniel Craig. So I'm happy that you consider that one of the low points. Mm. But I think Quantum of Solace has got some redeeming qualities. Yeah. When you watch. What about um? It doesn't get stuck what do you? The, what do you got? Yeah, I was actually gonna say. I reckon. I reckon the Pier, I reckon the, the Pierce Brosnan ones. That I think he did what four four bonds. So Goldeneye, I reckon his first one. That was probably that's undoubtedly his best. All the other ones since then that he did after that. Toronto dies. The world is not enough. Die another day. There's just too many. Gizmo gadgets. He drives a BMW. He doesn't drive an Aston Martin. There's just so many things. Yeah, there's just yeah, yeah. The invisible, well, can the I, invisible can I car. Say something on that? I think we are always most critical of the movies in the era just prior to the one we're in. Like I was just watching um, Die Another Day, mm. and the CGI is so bad. But like all James Bonds, it's really reflective of the era it was made. That was kind of what was going on with early two thousands action action movies. Yeah, they, they tried to be they tried to be like the Matrix. CGI. They tried to be like they tried to create a sort of Matrix like Bond, basically. Yeah, fair enough. But if you look at if you you could say the same thing about the most recent ones, all the Daniel Craig ones, you could argue that they tried to turn him into Bond. Mm. Exactly. It's not. It's not like those Pierce Brosnan ones, you know. Well, they also tried to turn Sean Connery into Bruce Lee. You know, when he did the one set in Japan, they had him doing kung fu and action. Mm. So James Bond is. It's it's not a. It's he is liquid. He moves with the times. He changes state. And even when you read the origins of James Bond and Ian Fleming. It was written from the perspective of it's this sort of superhuman person that embodies about four characters that he, Ian Fleming, came across when he was dealing with the spy agencies. And so it's an amalgam of different people. So it's actually great that we have different people playing yeah. Bond because that way we get to see, you know, do we like the Roger Moore who's laughing and joking and sleeping his way through solving spy mysteries? Or do we 
and I mm. think change is okay. Like I remember coming out of Quantum of Souls when I was 13 or 14 and being so upset with how it was different to the other Bonds. You know, did you have that 007 thing at the side? But now looking back, really, change change is okay. And I really like how the James Bonds um, change and adjust with what, you know, what the trends are of the era. Um, yeah. What do you think? Where do you think? So which is, what do you guys? Yeah. What, what do you guys think? Where do you think Bond will go? Because I think this is this is definitely Daniel Craig's last. Where do you actually see it going to the future before we sort of look back in the past and past ones? Because I think I actually think it needs a bit of a reboot. I'm not sure what reboot that is, but I think there does need to be a little bit of a difference because the last couple of films have felt a little bit the same. They sort of felt like, oh, this is the last one he's going to do. And this is definitely the last well, one. I really hope this one's good. I really hope this one's good because I think Daniel Craig is so good at being James Bond. He's so believable. He's, you know, one of the only ones where you actually, um, you know, believe him when he kicks ass. I heard someone say that the other day. Um, but, yeah, Casino Royale was really the standout of the, well, I mean, we've been supporting of Quantum of Solace now, but... Mm. No, Casino Royale was, was a level above the other ones, but I was really one of the biggest films ever. Time. What was that, Liam? Skyfall was a huge film. I mean, it was a cinematic hit for that year, yeah, and it it, it's one of the biggest selling bonds. Oh, so he had his hits. That's true. I think I think in terms of where it's going, there's two thoughts I have. One is keep it in the current day era. And that means we probably want someone who's a little bit more reflective of the multicultural era that we're in. And probably I want to have a bond where we can take to the places and on missions that are more reflective of what's happening now. So there's a lot of stuff going on in the Middle East. I would love it if we had a bond who somewhat had private school origins that maybe was backed by oil money parents and was an orphan from uh, Middle Eastern countries who'd gone and over there and they've died and then now he's been raised by them and so then he can do missions in the Middle East or I think you take it back to the 1950s and you start it again and you go on all the missions that they kind of missed but now that with all the advantages of knowing what happened with the Russians we can actually go back and kind of rewrite right. yeah. yeah that would be that would, that, that would be really cool um, I'd be happy for either I well, think with this one, they're bringing back Blofeld, and so the, do you think they're going to run with that further, or are they going to wrap that up this time? Depends on how successful it is, I reckon. I can't hope they wrap it up. Well, what I'm excited for is this supposed three-hour runtime. So I think they're going to they're sending off this Daniel Craig bond with a bang. I hope. Let's hope. But Let's three hours running time, it means you'll watch it once I'm, or twice I'm, and you, you will struggle to watch it again. I, I'm, I'm all for it. Yeah. I, I like... Oh, so I'm a, big, I'm a big believer in movies are best between like the really, really good movies, like a Bond sort of a real feature film that only comes out every three or four years. Uh, between two and two and a half hours, it gives the viewer plenty of plenty of stuff to look back on and say wow that was great but without being overly long like if you're getting to sort of Irishman territory of three plus hours uh it's gonna be you know it's gonna yeah. it's gonna be pretty hard to, to sort of make 
Well, how many how many classic movies go for more than that period of time that are that are that are in a franchise series? As long as Bond. Godfather, Lord of the Rings. The second one. Well, the Godfather. Well, that's the thing. The Godfather and Lord of the Rings. There's three of them. There's not twenty five. Yeah. <laughs> so you want to actually make it? You want to? Henry three hours long. Yeah. I think... Yeah, but if a good movie is a good movie for three hours, it's like a classic. Mm. So I also I'm, think maybe I'm, I'm maybe, I'm maybe I'm too optimistic, but if if James Bond has a three-hour movie that's good and you know entertaining for that period of time. And, and what, what else you can do in three-hour movies is you you don't need to overdo the action scenes. You know, you get breaks. I'm, I maybe it's just me. I'm, I quite enjoy it when movies are not just seventy percent fight scenes. Yeah, I'm with you. I actually prefer. I really prefer when movies build into those action scenes like i i don't really like the first thing you watch is just being smashed with like a massive action scene in the first 10 minutes and th- because that then you kind of expect that for the rest of you know the well, rest of the, except the that's kind of what bonds do yeah but if you look at the i reckon if you look at the earlier ones they don't always smash their way into that first scene like they might do it over 10 or 15 minutes in that first scene but it's not in the first two minutes that it happens and then you're just expecting the same thing to happen for the the other 120 minutes of the film I was watching um, For Your Eyes Only the other day, and that was the, the start of that. I think they dropped Blofeld into the chimney. Into the mm. chimney from, heli- from a helicopter. Oh, yeah, over London. Yeah, 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 I know. <laughs> mm. um, oh, well. Yeah. He survived that. But, yeah, what do you guys reckon about the older ones? Like, Are there any ones that you reckon are particularly good or particularly oh, yeah. memorable? Oh. Plenty. I mean, I've seen Which era? Oh, any era. I, I think there's a lot of good Roger Moore ones, and I mean, the Sean Connery except the same. Mm. Well, let's talk about your list, uh, Ross. You mm. had you had Goldfinger, um, and you yeah. Pretty, you're pretty um, adamant that that is unarguably. Oh, I, I reckon the Goldfinger is probably the one that is the the first massive blockbuster. And it sort of sets the scene for what happens in the preceding Bonds because it works so well, obviously. Like, you've got, um, I guess you've got uh, Pussy Galore, you've got Goldfinger, you've got Odd Job. <laughs> you've got Odd Job, um, which I yeah. actually quite like. That sort of, the, the sidekick villain, the sidekick to the villain that's sort of trying to, trying to get on top of Bond. Um, and, and you've got a, a genuinely good storyline with some, some good um, graphics as well for the time and... Some you know, a couple of gadgets. He drives an Aston Martin. That becomes sort of yep. his iconic. thing. You know that that, that becomes the, iconic. I think the one the DB5 is originally from. Yeah, that's the one. And oh, yeah. I think oh, that. Yeah. Do you know about that? Uh, I'm not sure, but uh, it, look, it's definitely the one that fits. It's like a template. Yeah. They go, we're onto something with people going. It. What? There was, what I love there about it. Where they reference it, they reference it in Austin Powers. You know, <laughs> it's definitely got some. Really good moments. Yeah. What what I love about Goldfinger is so the um the simplicity of the plot. You have a, a guy who is one of the largest owners of gold in the world, and it's simple enough. He wants to blow up Fort Knox to decrease the world's supply of gold, so he gets richer. It's yeah. really 
really simple. And um, it's great. I like that. I really mm. like that. It's not world domination. It's not you know blowing up a city. It's it's he just wants to get richer than he already yeah. is, and I I kind of think that's cool. Yeah. Um, it's a nice premise, I, isn't it? I did watch it the other day, and it was just really, I really thought it was quite funny. At the very start, James Bond is is giving a massage. Um, no, sorry, receiving a massage. And uh, Felix comes over, and he says to the masseuse, uh, like, scurry away, darling, man talk, and then slaps her on the ass, and she runs away. Yeah. Um, I'd love to see them try that. I was gonna say that's that's a good thing about watching the old ones is you realise like how much how many how many things back then were appropriate or deemed okay that just aren't okay anymore. I'd say most of it. Yeah. Like you look I mean the one with George Lazenby, if you've watched that, I mean that is No, I actually crazy. haven't. I actually haven't the amount of womanizing that goes on in that. Mm. I'm surprised it's not Yes. That's 
Oh, and I feel they're a Union Jack. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say the parachute. The parachute Union Jack's iconic. That's right, the Union Jack, yeah, sticking out of the water. Awesome. Great, uh, um, great scenes there. Another day, they actually kind of do a little bit of call, well, it's not really a callback to that, but it was one of the more ridiculous scenes where Pierce Brosnan is hanging off the side of a glacier in one of those drag racing cars and he's about to get killed by the satellite laser. Um, <laughs> it's hard not to laugh when you yeah. start to put your breath. He, mm. he pops off the lid of the drag racing car. And you know how those drag racing cars have a parachute to slow themselves down? Yeah. yeah. He, he cuts that off and then sort of jumps down this glacier and surfs away with the parachute from using the glacier size waves. Um, yeah, yeah a, bit more, a bit more ridiculous, but really, when you look back at what we were just talking about in View to a Kill, it's, you know, it, it seems ridiculous, but it's kind of what James Bond does, and they just tried to take No, but it, it, it's one of those things, it's one of those great things he does, when of the moment there's something that they bring to the table. You know, you mentioned that they sort of they put in skiing and skiing for a lot of people in the 60s and 70s was a new pastime. Mm. And so that was great. And then you see him later on and he can snowboard. Mm. And awesome. now he's kiteboarding. And then, you know, in the more <laughs> recent ones, and Daniel Craig, he's doing parkour or a version of sort That's of a right. white man, you know, yeah. doing parkour, jumping yeah. over buildings and stuff like that, you know. And that's sort of the legacy that you have with Bond is that he can introduce things into the mainstream that are slightly on the edge of the periphery of what's happening. And then they become more mainstream and we benefit from them. Absolutely. Well, how big was parkour following Casino Royale after that awesome scene? Oh. Yeah. Parkour got this like two year wave where they were opening, like, parkour gyms and all kinds of crap. Uh, and I reckon... Well, people are still benefiting from them when you watch Ninja Warrior. Yeah, exactly right. I reckon with no evidence whatsoever, Casino Royale is probably to thank for that. Mm. Yeah, definitely. I think it's um, it's probably, yeah, the, that Casino Royale, that, that scene... And I think the, the, the best part about it is that sort of scene at the end where he literally is, like, hanging off the the scaffolding and just go and shoots the bloke and just goes bang and it's like oh yeah because that's the that's the first bomb that's been released for four or five years before that so people are dying out people are dying you know dying out for sort of something like that and it's like the first scene just gets you and it's like wow this is gonna be a good film like that's just when you know i i, I think it's when you see one of those scenes and you're like yeah this is gonna be good and you just know that it's not going to disappoint and that's the best part about being in the cinema i reckon actually it's hard to believe that that was the one following Die Another Day. They yeah. are so different. And possibly that's why Casino Royale, correct mm. me if I'm wrong, but actually features very few sort of CGI moments. Sort of the, I, the most... Well, you, you, Casino Royale came directly after sort of your Jay, uh, Jason Bourne. Mm. The Die Another Day, I think, was a bit of a flop. You know, it was a bit always about the time Jason Bourne came out, and there'd been actual like terror stuff happen. Like spy agencies wasn't just sort of like this fake thing in the world. In 2002, like if Bourne came out, 
actually like the world was a bit more real. And so we didn't want someone to be, you know, having invisible cars because it turned out someone with box covers was more of a threat. So we kind of wanted a real Bond because we needed someone yeah. in our era. Can we talk Bond villains? Because I, I'd love to bring up Le Chief. What He was a great villain. Again, a pretty simple mm. plot. Well, not, not simple, but he, he was a, a businessman who would just fund terrorist attacks essentially to suit his business interests. Yeah. Which I think, again, is cool. Another, again, maybe I'm just a sucker for rich guys trying to make themselves richer. I just think that's prepared to die another day. Oh, it's a classic. It's a classic new age villain. But that's yeah, that's the classic new age villain now. It's not. It's not. I think it also goes, probably goes back to it bond of its time and sort of adapting to the time. It just realizes well, countries don't really bomb other countries anymore. Every country, you know, the start of the twenty first century, most other countries started engaging in free trade agreements and all this, you know, bilateral stuff, which is awesome. Um, so countries didn't blow up other countries anymore. It wasn't the Cold War. But there are a whole bunch of terrorists out there that were and people that would obviously profit off it too. Um, so they're the new bad guys. And yeah, I'm, I'm like you. I actually like the idea that it's like, oh, there's this guy that funds, you know, terrorists to do shit just for his own good so he can make more money. That's kind of a, I guess a... Yeah, a capitalist terrorist. Yeah, it's sort of like... Yeah, it's, it's sort of an anarchist capitalist, basically. Well, I'm going to make one... Well, whatever it was. Mm. Yeah, well, he's coming back. 
Yes. It'll be interesting to see. It'll be interesting to see what they do with him in this new one. Um, he he doesn't stand out. Yeah, I agree, Liam. He doesn't stand out as one of the great villains. Funnily enough, I actually really like the villain in Die Another Day, the Korean, the Korean guy who ends up with um, diamonds in his face. Yeah. <laughs> with the green jaguar. Mm. Well, I, I quite, I've always been a big fan of Jaws. I, I think. Oh yeah. I think Jaws was great. Yeah, I, I also, I also, I think um, the one you're talking before about where it's set in Silicon Valley. God, Christopher Walken. Where, Christopher Walken's. Yes. Christopher Walken is Max Christopher Walken. Mm. That was he was he. I mean, he's crazy. He so it kind of suited. Mm. And he's gonna blow up Silicon Valley like. Yeah, in the 1980s, was, that was ahead of its time. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And that was, see, I really enjoyed that one, but the critical reception at the time, um, I actually looked that up before, was terrible. Um, that one was really, really hated. And even um, Roger... Moore, even, like, even, even in A View to a Kill, like with that one, you've got Grace Jones playing like the assistant to the main villain. Yeah. And she was unreal. Like... And it, was the first, and it was like Bond's getting beat up by a girl, and you're like, you know, what was that? Mm. Um, she had a she had a good name. Yeah. No, no one. Oh, no, I, I reckon. Mayday, 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 Mayday. Awesome. Yeah, she was a great character. Yeah, and she's got superhuman strength, sort of beats him yeah. up. Mm. There's, there's some amazing scenes in that, in that one. Yeah, I kind of, I think you're probably right. The best kind of villains to me are the ones that sort of seemingly feel a bit closer to real life instead yeah. of the ones we're sitting, you know, in a white suit with a cat, yep. you know, doing that kind of thing. And it's a caricature of a kind of a villain. That's which right. Is kind of why I like, I, I quite enjoyed Jaws as a kid because you just like, he did look like some big Russian bloke that probably had, had too many growth hormones yeah. as a child and had been taken over as a villain that, yeah, world that he's been going into, so he just sort of accepted, and he and he didn't have particularly great skills. He was just super strong. So I like Jaws, but in the more recent one, when we had the wrestler playing, you know, that scene, and he's racing around with the cat. Yeah. Uh, to me, that that didn't seem as good. I, I was I just ready for this Mister to say, "I am Groot." Yeah, exactly. Which is <laughs> it? And the fact that he gets in a car, it turns out that they had to like sort of they had to cut the film because he's too big to get it even to get into the sports car. So what <laughs> was that car? The orange car. Or was it a McLaren or whatever? Oh. Like, it was actually even a it might have even been I don't even know if it actually ever got released. Mm. Um but it was a cool car. So I'm
the Crown Casino, you see every every third person attempting to do their little sheep click um, in their hands, and uh, it's pretty it's pretty damn cool to have like a your own sort of move that's lived on. Um, I, I really I really like that. These little character traits in different Bond characters, and that's what personal favorite of mine. Mm. Yeah. What do you? What's the um? So favorite Bond villain for you guys? Like I reckon, like if you had to pick one. Mm. The next one. Next one. Well, it's Blofeld though. It's Blofeld, so. Yeah, probably no. not. Yeah, no. Uh, you know, after that conversation, I'm gonna say the Sheep's a pretty good one. I like the simple one. I'll say overrated Goldfinger. No. Nah. Actually, don't care too much for Goldfinger as a villain himself. Yeah, probably, probably he's not. He doesn't. He doesn't really strike the sort of the villain like the other guys do. Sort of after him. Um, but yeah, there's. I don't know. There's something to Goldfinger. Although he does have probably the most iconic line of any James Bond movie. Yes, it's time to die. James, I think James Bond goes, "Yeah, you expect me to talk." No, wait. No, Mr. Bond, I expect you to die. I expect you to die. And then he la- he's he got that evil laugh and he just walks out the room. Yeah. He walks out the room like nothing's happened. In my opinion, he's lucky he got that line because other than that, forgettable character. Well, yeah. Bash, bash. Yeah. I didn't, um, I actually didn't mind the, um, the villain in Skyfall, um, that Javier Bardem played. Um, mm. what's his name? Silver, silver. Yeah, he's 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 a real psych. Like he's a genuine psycho. He's a guy that you look at, you're like, yeah, he's a villain. He's a genuine Fruit Loop. There's something really wrong with him. Um, that's kind of why I sort of, it, you know, it's it's pretty cut and dry. This guy's a villain, and he's a pretty bad dude. Um, Is no one going to mention Kananga from Live and Let Die? The first, the older ones I watched as a kid were the Moon Ra- Moonraker and the Spy that the Spy Who Loved Me. So they're the ones that always stick out in my mind, probably as well. But then I yeah, love. You mentioned Moonraker. Is it got more relevance now that Trump's got Space Force? Oh, probably, probably. But I reckon Moonraker. Moonraker is weird. Like the first half of the movie is a really good Bond movie, and then the second half sort of transcends into some sort of Star Wars type, trying to keep. Bond relevant, I guess, to, to sort of modern day box office of the day where Star Wars was pumping it in. Yeah, that's interesting because that's a, it's a couple of years after after Star Wars. Yeah, and but but yeah, I reckon now with um all this space agency and all this sort of stuff, it probably uh probably does have a 
a decent ring to it in terms of something that might I be able to come he's down. A really good first half, though. Yeah. I think there's a few, few of the Bond films where you go, parts are <laughs> very good, other mm. parts aren't very good. I still have hard, hard to condemn them, though, because I just think well, the parts that are very good, you know, you watch them and it's like, you know, it's four out of five. And then the parts that are very bad, well, who cares? They're just having fun. Yeah. Like, Blue Ranger ends up, you know, there is the sky. If you're willing to accept that James Bond could go to the moon or could go into space, it's not the worst. Mm. And, uh, but, yeah, the problem for me is probably now thinking about it, uh, Max Zorin mm. uh, yeah. from The View to a Kill. something that's probably of its era as well like the guy literally it's like horse racing in the uk with heaps of steroids in the horses so they win like that's such an 80s thing to do putting a microchip in them uh whereas i think you probably realize like you probably we probably realize now in this modern day and age that giving um you know performance enhancing drugs on game day probably doesn't do as much for them as doing it a couple of days beforehand uh, to horses. Don't let the jiggers. Yeah. Don't let, don't let the truth get in the way of a good story. Yeah, but I mean, that's... that's yeah, well, I mean, that's the thing. It's a movie, right? Movies aren't real. That's the whole point. They're supposed to make you imagine, you know, things that aren't real sometimes. And that's that's the cool part to it, I guess. That is the cool part. You see... You should, Let's talk... Um, you see plenty of shit that doesn't happen. Bond, Bond girls, anyone? Oh, yeah, yeah. Cool. Happy. Touch on it. Yeah. I'm super excited for Anna de Armas mm. in the next one. Um, <laughs> preemptive. Preemptive. I'm, I'm already calling it one of the best. Mm. Um, she was awesome in another movie with Daniel Craig, Knives Out, um, recently. Um, and she was also in War Dogs. Mm. And awesome. good actress. And good in many other ways, so I mm. am excited for that. Oliver oh. Solis, Olga Kurileko, mm. is another underrated on girl. It's it, it's what it probably what helped bring that film out of the worst three, in my opinion, Russ. <laughs> yeah, she she <laughs> was pretty good. definitely does help that film. I love um I love uh Eva. Um, Eva Green, Eva Green. In, yeah, yes. Eva Green in um, Casino yes, Royale because that's that's kind of like the first one, I'm, the first live Bond that I've actually watched at the cinema, and I thought, oh yeah, this Eva Green's bloody awesome. <laughs> yep. And it's probably yep, sort of at the age that's sort of twelve years old. The dress, where... the dress and the necklace. Oh yeah, the, yeah, the dress. I've never um... appreciated jewelry before, probably until then. <laughs> then yeah. But what about some of oh. well, you guys? You both grew up in the era of Pierce Brosnan. Mm. Halle Berry. Halle Berry, yeah. What, 
Denise Richards. If you go back to Doctor No, um, Honey Rider, oh, yeah. Honey Rider, yeah. when she walks out, of, when she walks out of the ocean, I reckon that's that's probably one of the scenes that clinches it for me. Um, in in Doctor No, it's like, oh wow, this is a really really good looking chick. And I don't know how I don't know how popular bikinis were back in nineteen sixty two, but I'm probably saying that they was that was sort of the beginning of the bikini age, and her probably rocking a bikini back then in a film like oh, a two piece. Would have, yeah, but I reckon that would have been pretty risque at the time. That's probably what makes it so iconic. That's probably, I would say that's very true. So, uh, well, I just look at... You both mentioned Halle Berry. Did they not reference that? Or was that... Which yeah. Berry reference when she came yeah. out of the... Yeah. Oh, yeah, that, was, that was in Die Another Day. Yeah, that was that one. Die Another Day. Yeah. Exactly right. And, yeah. Then, and then, of course... And then Daniel Craig... In Casino Royale does the same thing. Yes. But he's, he's not even wearing... Bathers, he's literally wearing his underwear because didn't he lose his like I don't know, it was just maybe it was I just think man. I think I think they're man bathers. I think I don't think it's safe to say. Yeah. I think they're the uh, the man short bathers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've got the the change of the era there's something more for other people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It probably gives you know that's why it's you know there's something for everything you know there's something for everyone in these movies, right? Men, females, everyone's everyone's got a colour. Well, I mean, that's but the whole thing when it started off. I mean, Sean Connery was Mister Universe, mm. so people thought it was ridiculous when he was originally picked because they thought he was just basically a good-looking guy made to be in a bond. And George Lazenby, the reason why he got the job was because he was just kind of like a rogue guy who looked enough like Sean Connery and was pretty much kind of a playboy himself. So, I mean, there's always been something for everyone, I think, with Bond. Bond's, yeah, and and I think the Bond character is a playboy. Like, that's the thing. It's it's kind of weird. Like, I was reading that in Lazenby's ones, like, on Her Majesty's Secret Service, he actually got married, which I've never seen it in full, but I just couldn't imagine Bond being married. (laughs) But they that's killed just... her up pretty quickly. Yeah, well, I know. I know they killed her. He does get married in. It, it is a recurring thing, though, because he gets married at the start of Timothy Dalton's one. His wife gets killed, and of course, in the Daniel Craig ones, he's going through the fact that they sort of trying to propose to her, 
yeah. and the Anders uh, yeah. Royale. Mm-hmm. So, and that's the whole thing that continued on. So it's sort of a recurring type thing that he's someone who's going to end up, you know, he's going to get married, but he's going to end up the one. Mm. It's, it's true. There's not a very big life expectancy for Bond girls. No. But they have they they survive almost as infrequently as the villains. Yeah, they, they, they're, they're, the, the Bond girls are literally the collateral damage, aren't they? Like, that's, <laughs> it, it, they're, they're basically sort of like part of the script and you know what's going to happen to them. They're, they're basically going to die or piss off pretty quickly and he's going to be he's going to come out at the end being the hero anyway. Yeah. Now, am I mistaken in saying that in No Time to Die, the one coming up, 007, will be a girl? At least the is that the I think. I think that's correct. Yeah, I think that there's. I think they were supposed to be doing something. There is a double. I'm not sure if they're a double O seven, but they might be a double O six or double O four potentially. Well, my understanding is is that the James Bond or the Daniel Craig, it's all the way to pseudonym, so it's not his real name. It's mm. guy that Rami Malik, the guy that played Fred, Freddie Mercury, is going to be the. Bo- I actually knew this, but I just remembered now because I've typed it in. He's going to be the bo- the villain in this one, which I find weird because I probably every time I look at Rami Malik, I think of Freddie Bloody Mercury. So I can't. <laughs> I can't really imagine him being a Bond villain, but he is. I think he'll be really good. Yeah. I I, I think Rami Malik is a very good actor, and he's a bit of a character. Yeah. Like he can he can play people. I think the fact that he, he took you to that world where he played Free Mercury, I think he's going to take you to the place where he, he'll be a, a good villain character. I think uh, in the last one, the last Bond, that felt to me a bit like a caricature. Mm. With the, um, what was his name? With the German guy who did it, Inspector. Chris- no, 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 Christoph Waltz. No, Christoph Waltz, that's Blofeld. Oh, okay. He's Blofeld. That felt- Yeah, I'm no, hoping. No, um, 
Billy yeah. Eilish on the soundtrack as well. Big fan of the song. Skyfall's got a ripping scare yeah, that's, that's right. But I don't think you're going to go back and say this one is going to be unreal. I quite enjoyed Sam Smith's version too. In the yeah, right. From that one. I, right. Yeah, I thought that was really good. And it suited the moodiness that they were going on. But I think that's, it's just more like this one, where it's going to suit the film, but maybe not be an all-time hit. Mm. Dying on the Day by Madonna. Do you guys remember that? Yeah. Yeah, it was Mugwai as a producer. Yeah, I, I remember it. She got in the film. Yeah, it was oh, one of the most. She got a cameo. She got a ca- that that's when Bond jumped the shark, I reckon, when Madonna was making cameos. Yeah. And there was that scene when they were, they were uh, sword fighting. Yeah. And like and she was the instructor. <laughs> that's right. The the defense they were fencing as well. There was a sword right. fight in that, in that movie. Harley Berry actually gets to a sword fight with the other the other lead female. Yeah. Um, I don't remember her mm. name. But she yeah, actually did Johnny Lee as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, look, a bit average. A few, a few moments in Dino the Day, that's for sure. A bit average. But I, I think that's fair to say. That, that, that's, the one thing is, I'm always a bit hesitant. I think Pierce Brosnan was a disappointing Bond he couldn't, he, the way he, he ran, it just wasn't this, you know, he didn't have that, what I expected Bond to have, which is just sort of be able to do it all and just to be so hard-ass. But mm. the thing about why I sort of feel bad for bagging his Bond is because it still did keep the line of Bond going. You know, Bond kept on yeah. going and it brought people in. Mm. So he was full of Absolutely. It had terrible storylines. It didn't make sense. It was so Hollywood. And yet it was also done by marketing. He had his spoon off. He had his particular Omega. Right. You know, it had a car. It was, you know, the movie came to the press release about the gadgets more than the actual trailer yeah. for the film. But then it that, brought everyone into the to make Daniel Craig and to make the big bonds coming and the fact that we're still ante- anticipating this bond and the next. Yeah. It feels a bit bad to say Pierce Brosnan was bad when he stumped up the Bond franchise for four films. Yeah, and I think... I, I just think it, well, everything you just said is just so 90s and early 2000s that it's really just carrying on the tradition of being reflective of the era it was in. Yeah, that's probably right. It, yeah, so, and I and I, I think, me personally, those were the ones I grew up on and Pierce Brosnan, to me as a kid, is James Bond, so I just feel it's really hard to criticise him too much because for me he was James Bond and then everyone else and I think at the crux of it is that I can watch a James Bond film come out I can be excited for months on end for it to come out and I can watch it and I can be excited by parts of it and disappointed by the way the film ends and how it was and give it a two and a half out of five or a three out of five that was an average film Mm. but then I'm still excited for the next one yeah, exactly. Right. It's like I reckon Bond is probably one of the old. It's probably one of the last old school blockbusters of 
the 70s and 80s where I think you look at what production companies did back then is they just spent a whole heap of money making this really awesome film and then absolutely marketed the crap out of it, pumped a whole heap of advertising so that people would go and watch it and then they'd make it into a franchise if they could and, and people would just go and watch these films. Like, I'm thinking kind of like a bit before our era, but those sort of Batman Batman with George Clooney and stuff. Like, films that aren't great films, but they actually gross relatively well and, and make heaps of money because everyone wants to go and watch it because it's Batman. Yeah. It, it, because it's Bond. And that's what... That's probably the last... Bond is probably the last of the actual... I actually get such similar... Yeah, you're right. That comparison is so good. The George Clooney Batman, is that not just so similar to the Pierce Brosnan yes. era? It's just the wrong actor. Bond. It's just the rock... It's just the wrong actor playing that role. Like, I reckon... I reckon Clive Owen... Like, if you have a look at him... He's probably one that a mate of mine said he's like, go and have a look at these Clive Owen BMW ads from like the early two thousands, and they're on YouTube. And literally, he looks like he he sort of plays a character in the ad that could be a little bit like James Bond, and he plays I it so well. That yeah, and and he and he actually looks like he plays it really really well. And it's probably a shame that he's not ever going to be Bond because he's sort of at that age now where he's a bit too old for it. Um, but yeah. Well, that would have been the era that he would have been. I mean, it sort of happens with the next Bond coming, but everyone who's potentially, you know, could be a Bond, you tend to notice they tend to try and do an action film mm. as sort of a little bit of a show of their skills. And I dare say that's probably one of the reasons that did it is because you want to show your skills so people go, oh, you start getting talked about, oh, that could be the next James Bond. Mm. You know, and to that sort of next a the next a lister off the rank like that that next cab off the rank that's who it kind of goes to most of the time as you say it doesn't really go bond doesn't really go to an unknown talking about this guy um they're talking about a whole heap of guys like, i think um who was it i think idris elba yeah idris elba michael b jordan um oh, oh. richard oh, madden no, richard oh richard, richard madden richard madden from the body English. richard madden from bodyguard yeah or james yeah, norton I, I think... tom hardy these sort of guys um 
who's who's the guy from um the guy that plays um Tom Tommy Shelby in um in that's Tom Tom Hardy. No, not Tom Hardy. No, it's not Tom Hardy. Oh yeah, oh yeah, Callan Mur- Killian Murphy. Killian Murphy. They're talking about maybe okay. him as well. Like there's a whole heap of guys that they're sort of saying might play him. Um but... I, well, I at one point and I think we're gonna lose all the listeners um, after this comment, at one point did say Emily Blunt as Jamie. No, I think that was good. I I still stand by it. I mean, I, would, Jamie, no, I don't think it's necessary to have a female bond, but if you were to do it, I would I, I would believe Emily Blunt. Well, she was great in Die Another Day. Mm. Where she played that sort of badass type military person. She was doing like the push-ups and, you know, like you kind of believed that she was, she was a bit Bond-like in that. And you mean it's it Sicario? No. Die Another Day with Tom Cruise. And then she also did Sicario. Yeah, she's probably she's Sorry. probably the best female I think for it. I couldn't say going to any other females except her. Well, and, and you mentioned Idris Elba. Can I just say he's very old. He's like it might be even older than Daniel Craig, and the dude is fit. But I mean, he's got better chance of being Felix Leiter. I think Do you mean, sorry, doing doing uh, doing American accent. Do you mean Edge of Tomorrow? Oh, maybe. I've seen Edge of Tomorrow hey. is Emily Blunt, Tom Cruise. Yeah, Die Another Day is, because... the, is the Bond film. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, okay. yeah. I'm on the same page now. Hmm. Um, yeah, Idris Elba would be a good Felix Leiter, but... And then, um, like, Michael B. Jordan, well, it's just, like... Like I said, I would like... He'd be a good Felix Leiter. Yeah, he possibly could, you know. And... But, so, next Bond, I sort of... It'd be nice to do something a bit different. I, gotta, I think in a lot of the ones we're talking about, it's probably we're still looking in the haze of Sean Connery, Daniel Craig, you know, yeah. Pierce Brosnan. It feels a little bit like maybe we could put a bit of colour in there or something like that. Or I, someone a bit yeah. different, different, a different look. Or, I know you mentioned Edward Blunt. But maybe it feels like Bond could be morphed into something a bit better for 2020. I can say that, but now in hindsight, I... I don't think I don't think I really want it to be changed as drastically. As good as Emily Blunt would be, I would love to, for her to be 008. Um, I don't think we need to change Bond that much. I worry with Michael B. Jordan. You were saying for his as a potential villain. I don't. I mean, he's sort, we've sort of seen him as that. You know, he's got that yeah. Black Panther. I I would love to get our era's Roger Moore. I think is what you're sort of getting at. Someone. Killing Murphy. Lighter, um, just to bring something different to Bond, you know, not so Jason Bourne. I think, I think everyone's a bit tired of the, yeah, like, well, like the action you he- earlier, So you're saying you reckon you reckon get rid of the action hero, bring back the sort of smooth talking guy. Yeah, I think I think well, I know me personally, I, and I think you were sort of implying it earlier the jaded, the jaded. Badass, I think is a little bit played out. Yeah, I think I think there's only so many times you can see it, and I think you've just got to be careful how many times you you they roll that out. I'm honestly sick of worrying about James Bond's mental health issues. Well, that, that's the other thing too is I don't actually. It's <laughs> like I think everyone in the I world mean, has so many issues of their own. In isolation in Corona at the moment. 
definitely be in isolation because we know he wouldn't have a girl. And he couldn't leave his room because it's the queer country. So, mm-hmm. I mean, he's probably... Yeah. Martinis, depending on the <laughs> we're talking. Shaken, not stirred. <laughs> yeah. Well, boys, you reckon we, uh, uh, we wrap it up there? Let's wrap it up with our top threes, I think. Top After th- fla- fleshing it out. Top threes. I've already given my top yeah, three. Can we, can, we move to somewhere? can we move to somewhere else and say top three films? I mean, I think we've all shown that we kind of, all of the films have their own merits. And even if they've got bad bits, they've still got good parts. Like, even some of our worst films have our best villain. Yeah. They might have the best locations. They might have yeah. the best fashion. Yeah. So even a bad Bond is still a good Bond. They mm. don't. But I think we can rate who we prefer to play them. Because I think yeah. we've ended up coming to who we've had. It doesn't mean we want that person to be like them, but I reckon we give our top three Bonds. Yeah. Okay. You in terms of actors? Yeah, actors. Yeah. Actors. Okay. Ooh. I reckon for me, for me, it's um, Connery one, Moore two, and Timothy Dalton three. I actually quite like. They're they're my three. Yep. That's fair. I think that's for me. That's the same three, but I would definitely put uh, Roger Moore at n- number one. Okay. Sean Connery second, and then he started the franchise. He did it all. He looked so good in a yeah. suit. I mean, no one looked better in a suit. Uh, I almost you know, want to like cigar style, a cigarette style. And then for me, Timothy Dalton coming in third. Yeah. I almost want to exclude Sean Connery because... It's too obvious? Well, one's too obvious, but given that he started the character, it, it sort of is the standard that the rest are sort of held to weirdly um, and it, it is he had appeared James Bond had appeared in a movie before Sean Connery yeah there was that what Casino Royale movie. yeah but that's not that's um, not that's not from the same production house as all the other ones yeah and then Connery did a later one. Connery did a remake of Thunderball in the early 80s that also never wasn't say never again by yeah. the way that's good that's actually not I a bad. That the other day. It's really good. It's not terrible, but yeah, it's not. It's not made by the same production company as. Um... No, and it wasn't part of the um, same. Well, that was it came down to the broccoli wars. So when the broccoli brothers, you know, and they had that fight over who actually owned the rides. Yeah. I think Ian Fleming got drunk one night, or wasn't it? They they got they sort of half wrote a script and they argued about who owned the script. So someone owned the script to the, the Thunderball, I think it was, and then kept on. Playing yeah. it out, but it hurts. Yeah, I, I, I still even He would have been so in his I'm early fifties.
it's believable. I think he could have made, he could have also started the era with Daniel Craig. We could have had him, and I think that's, he probably could have been good for the show, good for it as well. But I think for the next one, I want someone a bit younger. I just would like to better get a couple of series, because I think these last bonds, Daniel Craig is sort of held up by ransom. And it's been when he's wanted to do them yeah. at the end of each film, he said, I never want to do another one again. And then he's done three more or two more or whatever it was. Yeah. And, and you're sort of like, well, this is a bit disingenuous. We're trying to promote the film and you're saying how annoying it was to make it. And in the end, you're going, well, you're acting because you're acting moody. And in yeah. the film, you're moody. Well, you just <laughs> I was going to say, so I reckon they should always... down the bottom of my, of my boss. So, you know, if we're looking at the left or one. And I think sometimes part of the reason they're hard to watch a second time is there's so many moody moments. Yeah. It's hard to carry into the action sequence coming up or the fun part coming up. You know, the first one probably was the most bright where he's throwing the keys and gambling and stuff like that. You know, that was fun. But then the one since has become a bit moody and morose and serious. Yeah. But they're hard to watch for a second, third, or fourth time. Unlike a Roger Moore or a Sean Connery. Yeah, I think that's the thing. I reckon what are they? They're gonna do something about um, the contract terms, like because Daniel Craig says, "Oh, you signed me up to do like four movies. Maybe it should be like five or six year deal where it's like you might make two or three Bond movies, so like they did in the seventies. They make one every couple of years. It might go back to that model, model potentially. Um, well, you know, in this current era where the people, the production companies, looking for sure fire hits. I mean, will we ever see Bond? On possibly, you know, like taken over by one of the, the networks, like the, like the streaming network. Well, I actually, I actually, we, we have to get one every year, or whether it's coming on mm. serialized version. I don't think, I don't think it'll, I don't think it'll get to that point because it's pro- Bond is still that that big blockbuster. So you can spend two hundred and fifty, three hundred million dollars making a Bond, and you'll make seven or eight hundred million easily at the box office. So I don't really see going to the, the streaming services. But I reckon I reckon they actually missed out massively. I reckon this bond should have been something... I don't know who the production company is, but the production company should have said, all right, everyone's in lockdown. We've got the movie ready. It was ready to go out in April. But you know what? We're going to put it on our website. You can download it. You can pay you know 20 bucks a download or whatever, and you've got it for 24 hours, and you can watch it. And I reckon that would have been... I reckon that would have been that would have been sort of the new age of we're talking about what I sort of say the next generation of cinema where the production companies just basically sort of do their own stuff and try and cut out yep. the streaming services and then cut out the cinema at the end and just go direct to the to the um to to the uh, the viewer the consumer. You know what's interesting about the, that call that they made to delay? If I'm not mistaken, they made that call super. Early. Yeah, based on China. They actually did it purely because China weren't going to be able to go to the movies. Yeah, and correct. that was a massive yeah. part of their budget. Yeah. So they, they actually pulled out real early. Um, and I think it's a bit disappointing. Well, let's, let's not get into the politics of it all, but it's disappointing that they, <laughs> that they are, are so heavily reliant on China now. Hmm. Well, it's hard to believe that the person who's meant to save the world can't find a, com- uh, can't find a cold. Yeah. So, <laughs> at the end of the day, 
you know, I wanted them just to release it, but I probably wouldn't have enjoyed my cinematic experience if someone was coughing over my shoulder. Mm. Uh, I would have been worried about them. And then the other one is, if I've been watching it at home, probably a part of it, like think you said earlier, is the nice thing is to make it that is to go out and to do it. And so hopefully it's just as good when you go out and get to do it come November. You know, and it is that one, yeah. it's one of those films that is worth going to the cinema to watch because it's big, it's got music, it's got the sound, and, you know, hopefully it kind of restores what going to the cinema and actually going out of your house is worthwhile for. Mm. I, you know, I'm putting a lot of hopes on this one. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely, definitely. I reckon, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping it's a good one too because we'll, we've been waiting five and a half years for it, so we'd better be good. Yeah, God, it's hard to believe it's been that long. Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's been a while. I never Daniel Craig. Daniel Craig's an awesome actor. He's probably not the world's greatest actor in James Bond. Harsh. <laughs> no, oh, I think he's done better stuff. I think he's done better stuff than Bond from an acting well, point of view. I don't know what he's done better. Knives out. Knives out. Um... Defiant. That's what it is. I really like Defiant. Yeah. I think. Yeah, oh. yeah. Actually, I forget about Casino Royale. Casino Royale was pretty good, but uh, yeah. Anyway, you can't forget it. All right, go. this uh, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you boys talking about James Bond. Been an hour and a half, so be a long upload tomorrow morning, I reckon. Whoever is still listening at this point. Yeah. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Yeah. Real, 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 uh, real.